Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? We are so excited for our guests today. In fact, I haven't seen JD this excited in quite a while. We have George Lee, known as Conscious Lee. Conscious is an activist, an educator, a social media sensation, a consultant, a speaker, a podcaster, a family man, and a transformational icon. He holds a bachelor's in African and African-American studies and master's degrees in both human resource and diversity development. I love this. He's a self-described edutainer who mixes education with entertainment to be purposely provocative. Welcome. So happy to have you here, Conscious. Yes, I, I, I'm happy. I, I feel honored. Oh, man, that's real. That's real nice. Coming I feel from honored to be here. So I want to start off by having you talk to me about the work you do. For example, if you had a mission statement, what would it be? A mission statement would be mm-hmm. sprinkling some sprinkling edutainment where you get education and, and, and entertainment and engagement together. That's about kind of thought uh, 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 spurring critical thoughts, honestly. Critical thinking. That's like critical thinking, edutainment for critical thinking. Whether we're critically thinking about race, class, gender, ability, or sexuality, or you want to do it about politics, the economy, or society, or you want to do it about history, I just like to be edutaining with whatever topic or issue I'm dealing with. And I like to try to show I have a wide range of being able to go and talk about different perspectives, different issues. Totally sounds, it makes sense. And I love it. That sounds great. So the next thing is, you know, you are a powerful voice on social media. I mean, you're really, you're in the game. And so I want to dive in and talk about white fragility, racism, white supremacy. You start. Man, I start with, I start with white supremacy <laughs> and how most of our society is kind of embedded embedded and structured by white supremacy and that there are many levels to white supremacy. A lot of our, a lot of our society think that when you say those two words together, it automatically means that somebody is burning a cross in a, in a, in a front yard or somebody's having a sheet over their head. I think that when you break down to the most simplistic terms of white supremacy is, the superiority of whiteness and white people, I think there is a lot of ways in which it's in our television, a lot of ways in which it's, you know what I'm saying, in our history, which is in our curriculums, a lot of ways that it's within how we are entertained. And usually when you have a conversation of white supremacy, where you're trying to identify white supremacy, where you're trying to define how it operates, white fragility usually follows. You know what I'm saying? And what we know about white fragility is it's defined simply as just the aggressive, defensive, argumentative ways in which, you know, white people typically, how they react when faced with racial stress. And I know that the terminology white supremacy in itself, <laughs> in many instances, triggers white fragility. Because it's something that we, it's really yeah. taboo. I'm keeping this stack with you. You feel me? It's like when I know if I go to a diversity and inclusion um, workshop and I drop the word white supremacy, a lot of people feel like that's a word that should not be used in there because it's, it's not a safe word. You know what I'm saying? 
And usually, right. you know, and then uh, what was the other words you used? I think you hit them all. You said white fragility, racism, and, Damn, and white yeah. supremacy. I mean, at this point, I pretty much dropped racism and I just call it white supremacy. And my, my thing is racism is white supremacy. Yeah. It's They're too closely related to separate the two. And you're right. You're, you're absolutely right that people respond so intensely, you know, in a class that I teach, you know, it was a racism class and basically it's actually called something else, but pretty much about racism. And the thing is, is that, you know, the adults became so emotional at the idea of owning racism, because that's my thing, is that white people own racism, just like men own uh, their privilege, uh, uh, you know, of, of um we yeah, call it the hierarchy, right. you know, on heteronormativity. It is what it is. The sky's exactly. blue. Two plus two is exactly. four. And damn it, if you a man, you own patriarchy. Don't try to run away from it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't try to act like you ain't. And we know. That's what I'm saying. So your whole idea is like you own it. Embrace it and figure out what you got to do about it. So I appreciate that, what you said. So gaslighting is a topic I've heard you respond to repeatedly. My God, you could do a gaslighting workshop alone. Talk to me about it. Explain what it is and what it triggers in you when you have to constantly repeat and talk about gaslighting. To me, my understanding of gaslighting comes from domestic violence and how abusers typically deploy different tools against the person they're abusing. And for, for me, how I look at gaslighting is just, if you're doing, what I'm going to like a better terms, if you're doing sucker shit to me, and I'm trying to call you out for being a sucker and you're trying to get me to question my reality in a way that makes it where you don't have to be held accountable for doing what you're doing. To me, that's like gaslighting. And when I think about different different ways that I'm called a race hustler or victim or victimization, uh, you name it. To me, all these are terms that have been kind of normalized as being like this is a acceptable way to gas to racially gaslight people of color especially black people and i think that when you think about gaslighting it's usually done in a way to keep power invisible not yeah. touched not dealt with you know what i'm saying so it's like if yeah. if if if, yeah. if 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 you want to come to me and talk to me about a particular type of oppression i'm gonna gaslight you and say jd have you you really miss do you, do you really know about that, though? How do you know that really that's really happening? And to me, this is what I know about. Right. I, like, I feel like one of the people that I was really uh, impacted by here, you know what I mean? Black History Month, R.I.P., Huey P. Newton. Huey P. Newton said that power is the yes. ability to define the phenomenon and make it act in a desired manner. He said that power is the ability to define the phenomenon and make it act in a desired manner. And that's one of the quotes I live by. So when it comes to gaslighting, I'm all hands on board when it comes to defining that phenomenon so we can make it act in a desired manner. And I know just being an educator and talking about power and speaking truth to power, there are different ways that's been normalized. Race, class, identity, sexuality that make it where I'm going to gaslight you. I'm going to say what you're going through and say what you said is made up. I'm going to say it's really it's you. You say it's structural. I'm going to say it's individualistic. You say it's this, I'm going to say it's your fault, victim blaming and stuff like that, you know? That's it. And the other thing is that this idea that I didn't know, that's another one of my favorites. When white people say, you know, I, I just, I didn't know. And it's like, there's so much information out there to know. I just, I, I, the, the, the debate coach in me just want to flip it and be like, damn, the privilege of not knowing. The privilege of being yes, able to embrace not knowing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like in my hood, That's where I'm, I'm from, saying. we never get to use not knowing as a, 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 as a as as possible deniability. As a matter of fact, the law enforcement gonna look at us like, well, damn it, ha, you don't know what well, you're gonna learn today. 
know what I'm saying? So to me, just the idea of not being able to know something or being able to use ignorance as a justification for action is never, I don't, I feel like in all black and brown communities across the world, not even just America, get to have the ability in a, in, in, in a, in a excuse to be like, I didn't know. Nah, that's a privilege. Right. What? Definitely. I didn't know, officer. <laughs> well, I didn't know I was supposed to put that on the application. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's so true. And, you know, the, the challenge of really trying to get the oppressor to understand the power of that, that is a tool. That's a weapon. That's not even a tool. That's a weapon. The ability to say, I didn't know, I don't know. Um, can you tell me more about that? That's another one of my favorites. Um, I know you said this, but you could, can you tell me more about that? No, I told you what I'm going to tell you. You figure out the rest. Right. You know, I gave you a little bit. You go there on your own and figure but, out But the to rest. me, I think that power is always operating off of a paradox or off of contradictions. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's usually the people that's saying, can you explain? Usually the people that's asking for more labor is the same people that like to use the idea of folks being lazy to weaponize it. You feel me? So racially, you don't say I'm lazy. As a black person, you're going to say black folks is lazy. But when it comes to learning about the black experience, or you know what, learning how you're implicated in the black experience, you think it is cool to be lazy and make me do more labor and make me do more work. But you want to call me lazy for not doing labor and not doing work. It's like, make it make sense. It don't make sense. And I find that usually oppression and power works off of those irrational contradictions. I mean, that's just fire. That's all I can say to that. That's just fire. So here's the other thing. Let's talk about black censorship, you know, and the fact that you're not verified yet, that that's, that's, yeah, I'm out of words for that. Is, that's just, yeah, but that's black censorship. Yeah, I, I agree. Name but, uh, to me, to me, it makes sense though. Feel me? Like to me, to me, it makes sense, man. If I don't make content that's going to be consumable and palatable for middle of nowhere, Bob, that live in middle of nowhere, Iowa, then my content is going to be like, to me, that is the way that content is measured. You know, we're going to see how palatable and consumed where your content is, if it can be consumed by middle class white America. And if your content going to be making any any people from a consistent pattern of making people feel uncomfortable, even if it's justifiable or educational, we're going to censor that. And I just think that because of at this point, I'm just merely a social media sensation that teaches. I don't see right. any social media platform stepping out on a limb to quote unquote legitimize or give credibility to my teachings because it'll be too much on their brand. Cause at this point it's our business. You feel right. me? We are branding out here. And it's like, what, what would it mean for a TikTok or for Instagram or for Twitter to verify the race baiter, the race hustler, yeah, the victim. And I know that, you know what I'm saying? And I know that TikTok can't tell me that. I know that legally they can't tell me, hey, hey, consciously, if you can tone it down and tap dance a little bit more, maybe we can verify you. But as long as you keep on making our main consumer base feel uncomfortable, Negro, we're going to say, we're going to send you merch and gear and say thank you, but we ain't verifying that. And that's just what it is. You feel me? It's like define the phenomenon, make it act in a desired manner, and that's the phenomenon right there. It is what it is. You know, I love your attitude about that. You know, the idea that it is what it is. Oh, yeah. It pissed me off, too. I ain't gonna, lie. I ain't gonna cap. It do irritate me, but it, it is what it is, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's just, you know, you can have everybody doing every dance they want, any way they want. And before you know it, they're verified. But you have somebody, you know, these same people who put up the Black Lives Matter banners all over social media, they don't really want, Black Lives don't matter, and they don't really want justice. 
They want it to stay the same. Black culture matters. That's the truth. <laughs> Black culture matters. Yo, yo, yeah, that's matters. what I say. And that's what they appropriate. The the, the, the culture, you know what not the lives. Cause, yeah, cause if you, exactly. Because if you're not here, there's nothing to appropriate. So Something I got into when I was in college, right? Was called Afro pessimism. Is you familiar with? Are you familiar with Afro pessimism? Man, Afro pessimism is a literature base that um, a lot of different people, uh, Cydia Hartman, Dr. Cydia Hartman, Dr. Jared Sexton, Dr. Frank Wilson, they talk about Afro pessimism, okay. and it's pretty much just an analysis about how our society—they say civil society—how civil society is structured by anti-blackness, right? So Afro-pessimism is really just yes. being able to talk about anti-blackness in more ways than some. And that's stuff I got through reading. You know what I'm oh, saying? That's, 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 that's the stuff that I was reading and kicking ass with when I was a college debater. And the conversation we having right now, it makes me think about how, how, how like black production, black labor gets separated from black flesh. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like from a, yes. from a country southerner standpoint, it's like everybody want to be a nigga until it's time to be a nigga or... You know what I'm saying? Imagine if the world loves black people as much as it loves black culture. And to me, that is about the yes. way that we're able to literally separate our flesh from what we create and make it where yes. black culture, like you said, we can dance, we can sing, we can do all that. You know what I'm saying? But the mere producers of the culture is not respected. To me, it's kind of like exposes the contradiction of capitalism. It's like you're supposed to be able to benefit yes. the, from the fruits of your labor. But what does it mean when you have communities that is never able to fully benefit or be the even the main beneficiary of the fruits from their labor? That's anti-blackness. That's literally like the, the, the extrapolation, the fungibility, the accumulation of blackness and black people. It's like, hey, dance. Shut up. Yes. I love to hear the music from yeah. your reality, but I don't want to hear you talk about your reality. I would love to dance. Yeah. to your reality, but I don't want to hear you giving the announcements <laughs> about your reality. I would love to talk about all of the great things that you get from your dancing in your reality, but you better not get into the political, you know what I'm saying, implications of reality, and that's to me, that's what it is. Like, that's the that's the accumulation of fungibility. That's to do what you want to do, how you want to do it, but when I say... I'd add one layer to that. That's genius. I'm surprised I haven't heard the name before, but that's exactly what we're talking about. And I want to add another layer to that. The idea that, you know, what are white people so afraid of? That black people will have the power one day and and, and we'll treat them the same way that they've treated us. You know, that's that's another layer of that oh, separation. Yeah. That's, the, that's the libido right? economy right if there. You, that's, the, the, that's the feelings and the desires yeah. and the emotions of the economy of racism that we don't like to talk about that much. We talk about the political no. economy of racism, how we make money, the material reality of racism. But we don't want to talk about the metaphysical symbols. It's like we think about slavery and how it made money and think about like, yeah, it makes sense why they were, why they were racist because it made money. We don't think about the, the mere enjoyment of the slave master got from whooping the slave. There is no economic, you know what I'm saying, to be gained from that. But there was a type of libido, emotional, you feel me, gain that, that was done there. The same as if you think about now, you know what I'm saying, when a black person is murdering in the street, there is no economic gain from that. But there is a libido, you know what I'm saying, like I'm gonna lynch you and then I'm gonna show you everybody the examples this could happen to you. To me, like, we don't get into that part of it. And that's what you're talking about right now, that other level. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we had a, a police officer who uh, was on our first show. And um, he talked about that. He talked about the addiction to violence in the police department. And that speaks to it right there. 
You know, it's like there's even, you know, gangs in the police department and they're they're counting heads and they're doing all this shit. Tell me how somebody doesn't know it. And it's because the KKK, they don't wear hoods anymore, you know. And so the idea is that it manages the injustice system. So, you know, speak on it. I mean, I feel like being being a black person and knowing about the history that I know about, especially being a black male that is now starting to get, gain a little bit of influence and a little bit of attention. Excuse my French, but a nigga really got to be careful. You know what I mean? With how yeah, I no give lie. analysis, no especially when it comes to police and policing. Like you, you identifying mm-hmm. the psychological, sometimes the ability to be like, I'm addicted to violence. I have the power to rationalize the violence that I'm addicted to. And therefore I can justify waging this violence on whoever I want to. You know what I'm saying? And because I recognize that it's just like, that's just to me, it's just a part of our system. It's a part of America. Our capitalist system is built on policing, but policing to protect property. And I think that black people have a very complex history and complex relationship when it comes to policing because we are the non-human, human property, property that's policed, that's also protected, that's also policed. You know what I'm saying? And I just think that, I just, I just be careful with it. You feel me? Like now that I got a couple more th- thousand no, followers, a couple more, I don't know who listening to this. You feel me? So to the, to the, to the, hey, uh, uh, black, black, black Messiah and Judas coming out now, hey, potentially to the CIA, FBI, whoever got my file, I don't want no smoke at all, man. I'm just a teacher that like talking about interesting shit that got to do with race, class, gender, ability, sexuality, and then with power. I ain't trying to do nothing. Police on, I'ma conform to it. Cause you know, that's how I use a recording, you feel me? So, hey, listen, if I ever oh, yeah. run into the law, let this recording be an example. I'ma say, yes, sir, no, yeah. sir. And they gonna say, jump. I'ma say, damn, I don't feel like jumping, but I'ma jump, you know what I'm saying? Just make sure I want to say that very clearly because they'll try to paint, you know what I mean, a, 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 a recording like me, me and recording, and they'll be the reason why my dread's all over the, you know what I'm saying, goddamn pavement because they're going to justify. So let me just say that clearly. I think, you know what I'm saying, the police get to justify and use their power to do whatever they want to do personally and say that's what they was doing from a police political standpoint. But I recognize that, hey, man, you got the power, I don't. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'm just going over there. That's the thing that people don't understand about being black in America. You know, they don't understand that we know the rules. We've been trained since birth. birth. Come out the womb. You're light skin, you function this way. You're dark skin, you function this way. You're working it for the man, you do this. Like white people can't imagine the burden, you know? And my white friends, when I talk to them about something, they're like, well, doesn't it piss you off? It's like every day. But, but, but what? <laughs> you know, like then what? It's like you got to find a way to deal with the reality. You know, that's that's the painful part. You just have to you have to figure out how to deal with it. What do you think of Biden's move to what did he do with prisons? Uh, Privatize, start to shake up the privatization of uh, of prisons. So, you know, you know, know, my motto was education is elevation and it's always research over me search. You feel me? Like, I think that he got great intentions. I think that it's going to be some black people that's going to be impacted in a great way by him. You know what I'm saying? Outlawing private prisons, federal private prisons. But in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, if I was to Google right now, the percentage of private prisons in the prison economy is less than a quarter percent. Oh, yeah. Really? Look it up right now. Google it. 
Google it. Google it up right now. Google it. Oh yeah, it's good. And and to me, just understanding from a political standpoint, I would hate for one to be able to garner more of a net benefit on an impact that doesn't. It's not really there. I'm a debate coach. I'm a debater, right? So it's like I would hate for if I was on a negative to have an affirmative that tried to say they have an advantage and an impact they can solve, and they really not and they really over over overreaching. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, don't get me wrong. Listen, yeah. there are a lot of black, there's a lot of folks I know that's fed. That's, that's doing fed time right now. You know what I'm saying? And I know that, you know what I mean? That it's, it's impacted by it. But we're talking about structural change. It's not much. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? And to me, I think this is the reason why we have to really be like Huey P. Newton, think, think, think globally, act locally, and always try to define these phenomena. Yes. Because we see right now that the Democrats yes. and liberals will be able to garner a little bit more than what they actually doing. And I think that it's time to always be critical. The same political fire that was burning in, burned up on our ass in 2016 to 2020, keep that same energy, that same fire from 2020 yeah. to 2024. You know what I'm saying? It should be the new yeah. norm of being politically aware of who's using our tax dollars and how they're using it. I don't give a damn how radical you claim to be. If you know that there is, if you know you three times more likely to go to the jail, you need to worry about who running your who running your county jail. The county jail ran by the sheriff. The sheriff is an elected position. So we need to go on, we need to keep the same energy. But we know that this is making sure we clear. It's only, I think I want to put a percentage and say like 12 to 13% of privatized federal prisons. But I guarantee I would put my salary, next year's salary, and every every all the money I'm is is it's less than 25% of prisons that's that's I mean it's that's private. So it's just like I don't know the impact, implication you finna claim. It's good, but you better not say it's more. Yeah. You better not say we should celebrate like it's 10 and it's really a five. I feel you. I think that's great information. I I didn't yeah, know it was that lie. little. And you know, I'm too I feel like I'm too old to celebrate every little move that they do. I really, I really need to see something. I'd like to see a little more, a lot more, to be honest with you. Hey, Afro pessimism, though, is about like Afro pessimism is it is the part of it's, this type of stuff that get me in trouble right here. But Afro pessimism, the, the literature base is about abandoning hope in the world as it exists in terms of how it is structured. So when you talk about celebrating, you know what I'm saying, or putting too much symbolic, you know what I'm saying, value into these small temporal gains, one will be able to argue that from an Afro-pessimist standpoint, that is the flinch. You know what I'm saying? Afro-pessimism say we have to do a paradynamic unflinching analysis. And every time you want to say, yeah, that was good over there, you flinching. Right. That, that, that make it where you can't do that paradigm unflinching analysis where you see that black people are always positioned as socially dead, where we always getting gratuitous violence. And that's the way that civil society is structured and the way that it progresses is through the suffering of black people. You know what I'm saying? And that make it, you know what I mean? That's how you're able to have such, I guess, a dogmatic analysis about the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that again, fire again. You, you constantly, you know, there's this, I don't know. I hate these left right things, but it's kind of like this, you know, new revolution. I know they're not new, but they're coming at it pretty hardcore. This younger generation of I don't vote. I'm not going to vote. There's no reason to vote. What we have to do is dismantle the system and we have to do this, that and the other. What are your thoughts on that? How is that helping us? Uh, I just came out of being one of them young folks. They stick like that. And and, and they used to be like. <laughs> Uh, I'm invested waist deep in it and I'm ready to debate anybody about this and about why any type of uh, 
register in the system is a re-legitimizing of the system and the system is really legitimate because it's illegitimate because it's structured by native violence and this, that, and the other. I used to be one of those people to make that argument. I think that you have to be able to, to, to kind of, to me, think about think about the word pragmatically, honestly. You know, you feel me? It's like, I do, I do agree, you know what I'm saying? That the system is structured and fundamentally not, not flawed, because if it was flawed, that means we think it's supposed to echo, function a different way. It's functioning the way it's supposed to function. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I get that. But I can't lead no revolution if I'm, you know what I'm saying, if I'm in the county jail. You feel me? So go back to what I just got through talking about. It's like, if I'm sitting in the county jail, I can't go give my information and go try to, you know what I'm saying, educate the masses. So I still got to have some type of mind frame, at least to be able to think about the local elections and how locally my life is impacted by the people in power. They get to determine how much food stamps I get, determine how much child support I pay, determine who's patrolling my neighborhood, determine whether my streets is getting this way, determine, you feel me? If I care about uh, what type of uh, breakfast and what type of lunch my, my, my kids eating or my people eating in my hood, I better care about who running the, the superintendent. You know what I'm saying? So in my mind, I think you got to be able to, to eat gum and walk at the same time, but also recognize that we all ain't, we all can't do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? When I think about yep. the American Revolution, I think that everybody wasn't trying to be a mini man. Everybody wasn't trying to be like Samuel Adams. You feel me? And one of the great fallacies of white supremacy, in my opinion, is to make it where we all seen as a monolith, not only position in terms of human, but also in terms of methods. You know what I'm saying? We all can't be Malcolm X and we all can't be Martin Luther King. And we all can't be, you know what I mean? So in my mind, it's like all hand, more hands on deck is, is good. And recognizing and embracing a multiplicity and strategy, you feel me? We can't have everybody at the front door. Yeah. We can't have everybody at the back door. We need to have some people knocking on the door and smiling and cheesing. Hey, how you doing, white people? We like you. We have somebody banging in the back door, too. <laughs> We also need to have some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in my mind, we need to have multiple people doing multiple things. And this idea that we all, we all got to debate each other on what we all should be doing, to me, it's ineffective. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's ineffective. If anything, the best thing we can do is recognizing that we all need to be doing different things and have a debate on who should be doing what. That's what I think, you feel me, in I terms of strategizing, resistance, method, met, methodologies. It's like, hey, man, we all can't be Barack Obama. You feel me? We all can't be Kamala Harris. Some of us got to be, you know what I'm saying, the person that's, 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 that's seen as being uncredible or the person that's seen as the devil, the demon. You feel me? That's, 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 it is what it is. The question is, when do you be that person? And who gets to determine when yeah. you be that? And to me, that's what a better conversation is in. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.